Good morning, everyone. It's so great to see all of you out here this morning. It's great to have you at New Hope. If you are visiting with us, welcome. We're so thankful that you're here and get to be a part of our church family this morning. It's been a very fun weekend for a lot of people in here. There's been reunions and the youth had uh, our big event that y'all have been hearing about for weeks for volunteers, the Great Pumpkin Chase. So I just want to thank everyone who helped with the Great Pumpkin Chase. I think it ended up being, I think we finished up about midnight. So about six hour wonderful event where the students went all over the county with biblical clues to find their pumpkin by the end. So thank you to all the hosts and the Melons who got to end there and here's pictures from the night. It was a lot of fun, and I'm really proud of all of you youth and people who volunteered that are here this morning, because it was hard to get up. Here's the trophy. This is the trophy that the Dora's Explorers, so they, there was a picture of them, the Aiden team. There we go, right there. That was our champion. That was their Dora the Explorer pumpkin that they hid, and I mean, they got, they got to go find, and it was great. So thank you to everyone. And with that being said, we're about to have our fall festival, so I can't wait um, to have even more of you serve the Lord in that way. We'll have, we still have two or three trunks available for our gospel presentation trunks. Um, so it, the Ten Commandments is open, and one about Moses is open. So if you would, you want to pair up with someone or not, if you would please sign up for a trunk this morning so we could get that finished up, that would be wonderful. Just a reminder, Christmas and Earl, man, we have so many ways to serve the Lord at this church. I just am realizing that if you can't be at one thing, there is always something else we can do. We've got Christmas and Earl already planning going on, so get out there and sign up for that. It's going to be an awesome event, December 8th, that weekend, to serve the Lord. And, man, another event. I want to mention this because I love it. November 11th, mark your calendars. We're all going all the way out to Sims Barbecue to hear bluegrass music and eat barbecue and if you've never been look it up online I grew up out there and still love to go there so it's a Saturday night and we're just going to go as a church and eat barbecue and listen to some good music um so put that down please I think that is it so we are now going to get to go to the Lord in prayer together and begin our time of worship today oh heavenly father how great you are your, your name alone, God, to spend moments and just count the names that you have revealed to us from the beginning, from Genesis all the way through in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, the sacrifice that he gave for us, Lord, oh, just to think of your name and the power of your name alone, we could spend our whole service in worship and honor of that, God. I thank you that you brought every person here, every soul in this place whether they are, are believers in you, followers of you, whether they are lost and in need of a Savior, or the lukewarm, Lord. Whoever is here and wherever they're at in their life, I just pray your Spirit work powerfully today through them. And whatever needs they have, whatever thoughts are lingering, Lord, take them captive for them. Let, let our feelings not be ours but yours. I pray over the music that we're about to hear that, that we worship you with honor and glory and then we praise your holy name through these words and this music. And, and I pray over Pastor Russ that you will guard him as the enemy attacks, as he preaches your word, Lord, from your, from your truth for us to, to learn and go out and deliver to others. Let us 
be trained this morning to disciple others throughout this week coming up, whether it be schoolmates or work, co-workers or family, whatever it is. We love you, God, and we thank you for this place that we come together freely to worship you. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.
<laughs> Amen. Have you been blessed today? I pray that you have. Uh, man, it's been a, a good morning already. Uh, glad that you're here today. Glad that you've chosen to be in the house of the Lord today. As I said earlier, we have a, you know, we're, we're privileged in the country that we live in to be able to meet like this. Amen. And uh, it is a, a blessing. And, and you know, the song we just sang, uh, how many of you are facing a mountain in your life? How many of you are facing something going on in your life? Folks, our God is bigger than that. I want to say welcome to my classmates over here, my teammates over here. Uh, amen. This is a special group of folks, and uh, we had our, our fourth reunion, is that what it was? <laughs> 40th reunion last night, and uh, man, we had a good time, and and man, just great to see folks. We've not seen some of them in 40 years, I guess. And uh, man, it's, it's good. And we were, we were sitting around last night, and, just, and I kept running into people. And Maurice and uh, uh, Rodney. Uh, there, there's eight or nine folks in, in, in that class that are, that are preachers today, are serving. And man, that's awesome, isn't it? Or, or, you know, they're serving in some type of ministry. And, and man, that's just, that's just incredible. Because <laughs> who would have thought that 40 years ago? <laughs> now, I want to ask if y'all will, when y'all leave, do y'all leave in a hurry, okay? So y'all don't tell no stories, okay? <laughs> oh, my. But we did have a good time and, and uh, a good evening. And, and, and it blesses my heart. Uh, to see y'all here today. It is a, a good day. And like I said, there's seven or eight other pastors that would love to come but can't. They're fulfilling their own obligations this morning and, and wish them well uh, today in their churches. You know, over the, over the last, I've been here 22 years, and so I've used a lot of illustrations. Okay, I've got a t-shirt that says, Caution, anything you say or do may be used in a sermon, okay? And so some of the illustrations that I've used in the past years might be some of them, okay? <laughs> I wonder how many times this weekend, I know uh, Peggy's class had a 63rd reunion in the Hope Center yesterday, and John said he had their 20th. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of reunions were going on this weekend. And, and, and ours last night. But, but you think about all the ones that have, that have taken place in the last couple of weeks. And, and you ask the question, how many, how many times have, have we said, do you remember when? Do you remember that time? <laughs> hey, do you remember who that is? <laughs> Man, that was said a lot last night. The word remember is used over 230 times in Scripture. And so it's to make a point for us, you know, God wants us to remember everything in His Word. He tells us in Isaiah, the, the, the prophet Isaiah records God, God's telling us to remember. In Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 through 10, we're going to be skipping around at a number of verses this morning, but, but 
this morning in, in Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 through 10, it says, Do not forget. Do not forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember this, you guilty ones. Remember the things I've done in the past. We've got a lady here who's a four-time cancer survivor from our class. And she keeps on knocking it out. Praise God. What has God done in your life? What are the, you know, we said speak to the mountains, God, move the mountains. What has God done in your life? What has God moved in the mountain God has moved in your life? He tells us to remember that. When we remember that, we gain strength and encouragement for the mountains that we're about to face, for the mountains we're, we're climbing up right now, the mountains that need to be moved right now. <clears throat> but he says, remember these things I've done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. And everything I plan will, will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. That's the God we serve, amen? Who can do whatever He desires. This is, this is God speaking through His prophet uh, Isaiah <clears throat> given to us through, through Scripture. And so we're going to look today, uh, we've been studying the last several weeks on building a spiritual foundation and some different elements uh, that, that goes into building uh, our spiritual foundation so that we can face the world, so that we can face the issues that, that come our way <clears throat> in life. In recent weeks, <clears throat> the recent events taking place in, in, in this last week, um, has caused a lot of people to turn to biblical prophecy. People start looking at their Bible and start searching, aren't they? Man, discussion about, about the end times is, is just going off the chart. It's just really popular. But God has given us biblical prophecy so that we can have peace and comfort during turbulent times. He gives us prophecy so that we can know that He is God, to prove that He's God, and to strengthen the faith of the believers. When we see in Scripture where, where God professes, makes a prophetic call for something to happen, and it comes to happen, and we read about it. And folks, I'm telling you right now, things are happening in our life today. It's in God's Word. We are seeing God's Word in real time. I said that, I told people that Wednesday. You know how exciting it is to know that this is happening right now. <clears throat> you know, 20, 30 years ago, I was like, man, this will be cool one day. And today's the day. <laughs> it's happening. It's here, isn't it? That's, that's incredible. But, but the Bible is unique and to, to all other books ever written. And so it's important that we, that we base our foundation on Scripture and, and nothing else. The Bible accurately foretells specific events in detail. Think about that. Sometimes years or even centuries before they happen. Barton Payne's Encyclopedia in Biblical Prophecy lists 1,239 prophecies that are found in the Old Testament, 578 prophecies found in the New Testament for a total of 817, 
uh, prophecies total. That includes over 8,000 verses in God's Word. Over 8,000 verses. Hundreds of these prophecies have already come to pass. They've already been fulfilled. And not one, not a single one has been false. Think about that. Not a single one has been, pro- has been proven false. And every one that's come to pass has been verified to be true without error. Wow. Praise God. Only our God can do that. And the odds of these prophecies being fulfilled by chance and without error is 1 in 10 to the 2,000th power. Now, I wasn't real good at math, but I know that's a lot. (laughs) 2,000 zeros behind it. That's impressive, isn't it? Consider also that the Bible was written in three different languages on three different continents. It was written by 40 different people. Some of them were, were kings, priests, peasants, poets, preachers, shepherds, governors, fishermen, uh, even, a, even a doctor. And they wrote a total of 66 books to cover a period of 1,400 years. Think about this now, guys. This is what we're talking about. This is what, you know, when people say you can't believe it, you can't trust it, This stuff doesn't happen by itself. Each one of these books is in agreement with each other and supports each other. It covers a time period of 4,000 years of of human history. And altogether it tells one story from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, one story. And it all points to the birth of Christ being our Savior and ultimately to Christ's return when He's going to bring judgment on the world. Folks, we can trust God's Word without question. His Word is truth. Don't doubt it. Don't question it. Scripture is reliable, it's true, and it's dependable. And God speaks to us through His Word. God speaks to us through His Word so that we might know Him, so that we might know how to live life, and, and encourages us to go out and make Him known to the world around us. <clears throat> the reformers of the Protestant Reformation in, in 1517, uh, which we've, we've looked at in recent weeks, claimed that all of our spiritual authority, all authority about theology and doctrine comes from Scripture. And Scripture alone. Because you see, at the time, the, the Roman Catholic Church was teaching that that spiritual authority came from Scripture plus. Scripture plus something else. Scripture plus uh, tradition. Tri- uh, scripture plus the church. Scripture plus papal authority. Or Scripture plus creeds. Whatever it might be. And the reformer said, no, 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 that's not it. We've got to get back to the Bible because the Bible and the Bible alone is our sole authority. Not anything else. Reformed theologian, Pastor James Montgomery Boyce <clears throat> said the, the, about the Reformer's belief, it says the, the Bible alone is our ultimate authority, not the people, not the church, not the traditions of the church or the councils or personal feelings, but Scripture alone. You see, God's Word is, is living and active. 
And it's as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. And it will meet every need that you have. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it reminds us that all Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our life. You see, that's, that's one reason people don't read the Bible, because they don't want to know what's wrong. They don't want to face the fact that, that, that there's sin in their life. And they don't want to have to correct it. So they don't read it. And it goes on to say, it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Again, the Bible is our sole authority for all matters in our faith and in our life. And we need it to become who God created us to be. Without it, we can't be who God created us to be. Because it tells us, it instructs us. And so in order to build that, that, that strong spiritual foundation, Scripture must be a primary and an integral part of our life. Without it, without it, we're going we're gonna to crumble under the pressure and the, and the temptations of the world. You just can't stand up against it. If you think about it, the, the foundation of our, of our society is, is crumbling today. As, as people ask about the Bible, what do you think the Bible means? That's a dangerous question. <laughs> because it doesn't matter what I think about it. It's about what it says. When people are, are reading books about the Bible instead of the Bible. Unfortunately today, truth is being determined by the latest poll, by the latest, latest Barna poll. You know, what's, okay, that, that's truth. Or we decide we want truth to be whatever we want it to be. We, we decide everyone has their own truth today. They don't see God's Word as absolute truth. But God says this is truth. It doesn't matter what we think. We've become guilty of making the Bible fit our life. To say, oh, I'm going to cherry pick this verse and, and make it fit out of context into my life instead of making my life conform to the teachings of the Bible. Again, when we do that, we're seeing our society crumble because we're not conforming to the biblical teachings anymore. In a recent survey... 49, listen to this, 49% of evangelicals read their Bible a little bit every day. 40, half read it, okay? A little bit. 40% of all Americans say they never read it. You probably say that's obvious too. 20% of Americans believe the Bible is the Word of God. That's frightening. Only 20%, not evangelicals, not church people, but Americans, only 20% of Americans believe the Bible is the Word of God. 58% of Christians believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. That's a lot better, but it could be a whole lot better. <laughs> right? 
But those numbers are, are disturbing because, see, we can't, we can't profess to be true Christians and not want, not want anything to do with the very Word of God that we base our faith upon. How can we say we're a Christian and we don't know it? If we don't know what to believe? And so being grounded in, in Scripture is, is foundational for, for spiritual maturity. The Bible is, is complete. It's eternal. <laughs> Knowing God's Word should be at the top of our priority. Spending time in His Word should be one of our prim primary goals for the day. It offers a blueprint for everything we need pertaining to, to salvation and, and again being the people God created us to be. Now let me ask you a, a question this morning. Don't raise your hand, don't answer out loud, nobody needs to know. Except for each of us in our hearts. Is the Bible a regular part of our life? Ask yourself that. Is the Bible a regular part of my life? Do I regularly spend time in God's Word? <clears throat> we need to know God's Word because there is a judgment day coming, amen? And probably, probably quickly. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed or who correctly handles the word of truth. Are we, you, are, are we handling God's word right? Again, are we applying it to our life? We need God's word in order to mature in our faith. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tested that the Lord is good. We need God's Word to mature in our faith. We need it to live a godly life. The psalmist in 119 writes, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Again, if we don't know what it says, we don't know what it says about sin. And how to live without sin. How to turn from sin. The psalmist continues in, in writing, you know, how to, to keep our, it helps us keep our eyes focused on, on Christ. It says, turn my eyes away from the worthless things. My goodness. There's a ton of worthless things in this world, isn't it? And so we need to be praying to God, turn my eyes, keep my eyes focused on the things of above, on the heavenly things on the things of Christ and on Christ Himself and not on the things of the world. It says, Preserve my life according to Your Word. Fulfill Your promise to Your servant so that you may be feared. We need God's Word for direction in life. Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. The Bible speaks of events that are taking place right now and will take place in the world. And it lays out in detail how the end times are going to continue to unfold. 
The psalmist writes, when we approach God's Word, we need to be in awe of it. Hold it in reverence and acknowledge that it is God's Word, God's letter to us. We're to, we're to approach it with delight and appreciation and praise and joy and love, but also in obedience to what it says. We should not only know it, but live it. We might know what it says, but do we do what it says? Is our attitude, I know what it says, but I'm going to do things the way I want to do it. James tells us that if we apply His Word to our life, we'll be blessed. When we apply His Word to our life, we'll be blessed. And God's Word is the is the final word, the final authority in our life. And if, it, and if something goes against Scripture, it goes against God, and it's not from God, and it shouldn't be for us. And Jesus Himself uh, made Scripture the ruling norm. He said in, in Mark chapter 12, verse 24, He said, your mistake is that you don't know the Scripture. Our world, our society is ignorant of Scripture. Your mistake is that you don't know Scripture and, and you don't know the power of God. In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus said, You search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. The Scriptures don't give you eternal life. He goes on to say, But the Scripture points to me, Jesus said. Salvation is found in Him, yet you refuse to come to me and receive this life and refuse to come to Him and receive that eternal life. These scriptures are written to point us to Christ so that He can give us eternal salvation. And, and so the purpose of scripture is to point us to Jesus. He is our Savior. And God's Word here is, is, for, is for God's people. It brings comfort and peace and conviction and, and direction and hope for everybody that will read it. It's God's supreme, authentic, reliable, everlasting Word for everybody and for everyone to receive. For everybody to be changed by, to, for everybody to live by, and for everybody to proclaim to the world. Let me ask you this morning, are, are we doing that? Have you received God's Word? Are you allowing it to change your life? Are you living your life for Christ? And then the last one's one we often fall short on, and that is proclaiming God's Word to other people. Remember when Jesus spoke of His approaching death and, and resurrection with the disciples? They were troubled. They were, I mean, this was their best friend. He was their leader. And, and man, he was going to be gone. He's telling them, man, I'm going to die. And I'm going to be gone. It caused concern in their heart. And they were, they were troubled. And they, they, you know, their future was going to be uncertain now. And you know, a lot of people today are also troubled due to the disturbing conditions in the world. Maybe it's the disturbing conditions in your own life. So we might be asking the same questions that the disciples might have asked. Who's going to take care of us? 
Who's going to watch over us? Who's going to defend us from our enemies? Well, Jesus went on to calm their fears and, and He can calm ours too. With the prophetic words found in John chapter 14, a familiar verse. Verses 1 through 3, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. They were troubled. They were worried. They were concerned. They were upset. They were, their future was uncertain. It's okay. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I love this. My Father's house has, has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Wow. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Praise the Lord. You see, because the disciples had already witnessed the fulfillment of Scripture through, through the life and ministry of Jesus, the disciples now believed Him. They knew that He wasn't going to lie to them. They knew that He was going to tell them the truth. They knew His Word was good. And He gave them that prophetic promise. I'm going back home and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if you know me, if you're in, in Christ, I'm coming back to get you. And I'm going to take you home to that place in the heaven where you can spend eternity with me and my Father in my Father's house. Hmm. That's, that's some good stuff. You know, I, I think we've seen and, and, and laid out the idea here that, that we can believe God's Word. There's no way that this, that this book could have been put together without the work of the Holy Spirit. That it is true and reliable and dependable. And so we can believe Him. And, and, and if you know Jesus, He is preparing that, that heavenly place for you. And that when you face Him, be it the rapture or your death, if you know Him, you'll spend eternity with Him. The question this morning is, do you know Him? Folks, Jesus is coming back. God's Word prophesied His coming the first time. And what happened? He was a no-show. Right? No. He came to the letter just as it was said in the Bible, right? And, and, and the Bible says that He's coming again. And we know that the Bible is trustworthy, that it's true, reliable, dependable. And what it says is going to come to pass. So we know that He's coming back. But He's not coming back as an infant in a manger, as a Savior. But He's coming back as a warrior king to bring judgment on the world. Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you given your life to Him? The one who, who died on the cross, who shed His blood for the forgiveness of our sins who God raised from the, from the grave on the third day to prove that He was God's Son. Have you put your, your life in His hands? Are you trusting Him today? Maybe you're saying, Russ, I have a long time ago. What about this question? 
If you have given your life to Christ, are you living your life for Christ? You see, that's something we have to deal with. Are we living our life for Christ, not just from 11 to 12 on Sunday morning, but the other days of the week, every other hour of the week? Are you investing time in God's Word? Let me ask you this, when, when you meet Jesus face to face, is He going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant, come on in? Or is He going to say, away from me, for I never knew you? That's a frightening thought right there, isn't it? To be eternally separated from God. Indeed, He's coming back. Throughout Scripture, to, you know, God tells us to, to watch, to be vigilant and, and watch. Be ready. And Israel's God's clock. And think about this, evil is rampant and wickedness surrounds us everywhere, every day. And God is orchestrating world events and putting things into place and setting the stage for His return. There's unrest in Israel. Nations are, are rising up against their worldwide hatred for the Jews is rising and, and going off the chart. There's unrest all around the world. Uh, political and economic systems are being put into place that will be used after the rapture. What's being put into place now, the, the effects of artificial intelligence and technology. Folks, get ready. Get ready. But remember, remember the, the words we started with in the beginning? In Isaiah 46, God said, only I can tell you the future. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. And then he says, everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. That is God. And you see His handiwork taking place across the world. Let me ask you again this morning, what role does the Bible play in your life? Do you hunger for it? Do you thirst for God's Word? Let me challenge you this morning. Will you allow the Word of God to speak to you and change your life? To transform you into who God wants you to be? If you don't have a Bible today, I've got one out in the foyer waiting on you. Okay? There's no excuse there. But I want you to know God and I want you to, to, to know His Word and so will you decide in your heart today to know God's Word and to know Him and to make Him known to a lost and dying world that's all around us. Folks, time is short but the time is now and we have to decide today, right now. Are we going to allow God's Word to transform us into who He wants us to be. Let's pray together.
Almighty God, we thank You for Your life-changing Word. The hope that's found there, the, the encouragement that's found there, the life that's found there. Father, we thank You, Lord, for the, for the prophecies that, that You laid out for us to, to see the coming of, of Christ the first time and, and how You've laid down the, the, the foundation for His second coming. God, we pray today that we would have a desire and a hunger for Your Word. God, that You would burden our hearts to know You more and to make You known. God, that we would be useful vessels in this kingdom for Your purposes and for Your glory. And so, Father, today we lay down our life and we surrender our life to You, God, and ask, Father, that You would use us however You see fit. Take us out of our comfort zone. Lord, take us wherever you want us to go. Wherever you lead, we'll go. And so, Father, we pray today, right now, as we sing our, our hymn of invitation, God, that, that you would allow your word to speak to us today. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
finding myself at a loss for words. And the funny thing is, it's okay. Men, I'm going to ask Miss Madison Jackson. She is not happy at all with Pastor Russ right now because she wanted to stay in the corner over there. But she comes today professing her faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. What a glory. I told her that's the best decision you could ever make, right? Praise God for that. And uh, so, we, you know, she, she accepted Christ at camp a while back. And we, you know, she's been talking to Mary and myself over the last several weeks. And she just wants to make it known to y'all. And uh, we're looking forward to a baptism in a, in a couple of weeks when we get that scheduled and put her to work and for kingdom purposes. Amen? Amen. So we're glad for that. I'm going to ask her if she would to, to, welcome, uh, to stand at the door back there as we go out and uh, let everybody say hey to Miss Madison. All right? <laughs> Praise God for that. And we'll get her baptism scheduled uh, pretty soon. And um, again, just to let the world know that she loves Jesus. And Jesus loves you. Amen. Would you like to pray for us? No, I won't make you pray for us. Oh, would you pray for us? 